I would say when it comes to branding, it's just really important to do what feels right. Branding really entails someone needing to know themselves because that's really what you want to get out there to the public. And if you want your brand to be something that you're not, that's when it falls flat a lot of times. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, it is February, and it is Black History Month, and I am proud to amplify the voices of amazing business leaders who just happen to be African American on the podcast, so check out our new page leadwithyourbrand.com slash black voices to hear some of the most fabulous interviews and podcast guests over our past three seasons. And we have a fabulous guest on today's show. It is Dr. Imani J. Walker, Chief Medical Officer and Psychiatrist And you may just recognize her from Bravo's Married to Medicine LA. But before we get to Dr. Imani, I want to talk about brands and your brand, because I feel like we are in the middle of Brandapalooza. That's right. We just had the Super Bowl, which is not only all about brands and their television commercials and trying to stand out, but it's about the brands of the NFL and the brand of the Bengals and the brand of the Rams and even brands like SoFi over the new SoFi Stadium. And that's happening right in the middle of the Winter Olympics from Beijing, where if you are watching on all of these different platforms, it is about the brand of the Olympics intersecting with big corporate brands and movie brands. I mean, I see Nathan Jen ice skating with a Jurassic Park dinosaur and thinking that's odd, but then it's just a genius brand mashup. And of course, just last Last week, we had the Oscar nominations come out in a crowded field of a gazillion things that we can stream or go to the movie theaters. Now, all of these films are trying to stand out from the crowd and be memorable so that we stream or go put our butt in a movie theater seat. So in the middle of all of this brand of Palooza, I want you to think about your brand and are you being memorable? That's right. What the Oscars tells us, what the Super Bowl tells us, is that there are tons of choices that people have out there. And guess what? There's tons of choices that people have around people like you. 
So you can't afford to be that boring commodity like coffee. You've got to be able to stand out from the crowd and be memorable and premium in a way that people are looking to choose you. So let's think about how we can make things memorable right here and right now. Now, I have talked to many of you out there, and so many of you are still going through that closeout of 2021 and goal setting for 2022 at work. So my first challenge to you is, how can you make that goal setting meeting with your manager memorable? That's right. This can't just be something that you slog through. It shouldn't just be a chore. This is a great way to make it memorable at the beginning of the year. And guess what? For most of you, your manager's having several of these meetings. So I want you to stand out from the crowd by preparing for that meeting. How do you have a list of really great questions? How do you have some great insights and recommendations? How are you signing up to talk about how you can help make this year's goals happen? And after that meeting, right, you've got to make that first meeting memorable, right? I want you to think about how does my manager walk out of this saying like, wow, what a an amazing conversation, right? That first one's got to be memorable, but then in order to make it memorable, it's got to all be about the cadence of the message. You've got to follow up with your manager and you're saying, well, I talk to my manager every single day. Well, sure you do, but I want to make sure that you are following up when you're doing things that are memorable about your goals. Let your manager, let her know what it is that you've done because she's not there watching every single thing that you do. Let her know what the impact is. You know why some of these TV commercials have been memorable for me during the Oscar season and the Super Bowl and the Olympics? Well, quite frankly, it's because they're playing so many times. That's what creates that brand impression. So don't let these once a year conversations be once a year. String them together and make them memorable over time. Then I want you to think about those current projects and meetings that you are in all of the time. You know, we've talked all about your brand filter, right? Really honing on projects. What are those repeat actionable things that you can put on every single project that has your thumbprints and your DNA all over it. I want you to think about how you're doing that on all projects, but how do we even extend that to meetings? How are you making your meetings memorable, whether you're hosting them or attending? Remember, just because we're on Microsoft Teams or Zoom, we're still always on stage. So are you showing up in a way that you're turning your camera on? Are you greeting people and showing up a little bit early so that you can say hi and have chit chat? Are you asking some really smart questions? And here's the other thing. Are you being in service of other people or are you just dialing it in? Are you multitasking? Are you looking at your iPhone while you're on the meeting? Or are you being present? Are you talking to people? Are you asking those smart questions? And are you being in service by providing some great insights, advice, and recommendation that can be helpful to other people on that call? You want to be a memorable person that stood out, even though maybe there were 5, 10, heck, even 50 people on that team call. And here's the final thing. I know so many of us are still working from home or we're only going into the office once or twice a week and we're on scattered schedules, so we're not seeing people in the same way. How are you making yourself memorable on social? 
Are you actively posting, especially on tools like LinkedIn, which are all about professional communications? Now is the time to be posting things because people aren't seeing you. We're not going into big conference rooms and staff meetings for the most part. So you've got to toot your horn and make sure that you are memorable to people. And what I say by that is you've got to post something at least once a week. But make sure that you're posting something that's memorable. When your company does something great, share that post and add your memorable text to it. How are you involved? How do you feel about it? If your team just accomplished something, why aren't you creating your own post? And here's the big thing. What makes things memorable? Photos make things memorable. I want you to get in the habit of if you just did a team meeting on Zoom where you did something, turn around, take a selfie, take a picture with your team. Pictures speak a thousand words and that is going to be memorable. You've got to show your accomplishments and what you stand for on social media because we're not seeing people with the same frequency that we used to. Well, I have an amazing guest on the show today who is certainly very memorable. It is Dr. Imani J. Walker. Now, Dr. Imani is a physician trained in general adult psychiatry, and she has been at America's top universities. Now, after completing a fellowship in forensic psychiatry, she opened a private practice in Southern California and is currently serving as the chief medical officer at Gateways Hospital and Mental Health Center. Center. Her focus is caring for acutely ill psychiatric patients, including those with extensive forensic backgrounds, as well as providing mental health care to homeless populations. Dr. Imani lives in Los Angeles, and she can be seen on Bravo Network's Married to Medicine Los Angeles. We'll be back in just a few moments with Dr. Imani Walker. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we're back. I am super excited for today's guest. It is Dr. Imani J. Walker, Chief Medical Officer and Psychiatrist. Dr. Imani, what's going on? Well, it's beautiful outside. I'm out here in L.A. Um, yes, to be, L.A. Yeah, it's supposed to be 80 degrees here. I'm a little hyped, like, in terms of, like, internally right now because I may have had a little bit too much coffee this morning, but... <laughs> Today's going to be a great day because yeah, yeah, because I cho- I'm choosing it to be. <laughs> well, I love that, right? Because because I think careers and brand are really all about choices too, right? Mm-hmm. So I know there's so many great things that are happening in your career. I mean, you've got the podcast, you're a cast member on Bravo's Married to Medicine, and you're doing a lot of really exciting things in your practice. So tell us what is new and exciting in the world of Dr. Imani Walker. I would say the newest and most exciting thing um, is that I opened up my private practice a month Mm. ago or reopened it. Interestingly enough, I had a brick and mortar private practice um, back in 2011, Um, but, 
you know, times were very different back then. So aside from the fact that we weren't in the middle of COVID, uh, telemedicine or and telepsychiatry, which is really what I do, wasn't as big of a thing because people will st- were still used to moving around and, you know, being face to face. Um, the, the, the best thing though, not that, I mean, the COVID has largely sucked for, for, I mean, for the, for <laughs> pretty much everyone. Again, right? right. But there have been some positive aspects that have come out of it. And I would say for me, one of the, one of the most positive aspects is that it's really become a virtual world as we actually sit here, you and I, um, yeah. you know, having a, having a, this podcast interview and we're in com- two completely different places. Yeah. Um, so th- it was like overnight, all of a sudden, cap- like online or virtual capability had to really step up to the plate. And so services like Zoom is, you know, we're, we're all like Zoomed out, but like, it was like Zoom, like who's using Zoom? Like, why would I use Zoom? I could just, you know, talk to them face to face or I could FaceTime them. Um, but that being said, uh, medicine had to really do kind of the same thing. And so I have found it much easier to um, to reach out to patients. It's been very easy for patients or potential patients to reach out to me and request an appointment to be seen. Um, I mean, everything is just like boop, boop, boop. And, you know, and then, <laughs> I mean, and then, and then you're done, you're done. So it's, that's that's really the most exciting newest thing that's been going on in my life. Um, I would say the second most uh, exciting and new thing is that I'm currently editing my book that is going to be Ooh. released on um, Amistad uh, Press, which is a subsidiary of HarperCollins Publishers. Wow! Yeah, so that will be released in September. And, um, so that, that's interesting. Um, writing a book. Give us a preview of, of the book. What, what can we expect in the fall? Sure. So my book is basically a story, um, well, a very long story. Cause it's a actual memoir, um, of me coming to understand and coming to terms with my own mental illness issues and also the mental illness issues that are prevalent in my family, um, which ultimately led me to want to become a psychiatrist and and led me to want to specifically help um, populations that are underserved. Um, it's not to say that, oh, if you have you know, I have a private practice. It's not to say like, oh, if you have insurance, like I'm not going to talk to you. Like you're not, you're not <laughs> quote unquote, so, you know, suffering severe symptoms. But my, my, I guess my niche is, is serving underserved populations. So that would be people who are incarcerated or, or formerly incarcerated and are now in the community, people who have uh, committed uh, crimes in the past because of their mental illness, and they have to be supervised by a um, a court ordered program. Uh, just just people who you know are are very underserved, and so it it go it goes it, it goes into that. It it really just explains um, 
like me having to come to terms with what I experience and ultimately like, like looking at the larger picture, meaning my family and really figuring out, okay, where, like I have anxiety and depression, where did it come from? Mm. Because these are not, when it comes to many psychiatric illnesses, they can be, I mean, there's, there are environmental factors, of course, but there are a lot of uh, genetic uh, predisposed, let me say that again. There are a lot of genetic uh, predispositions present um, in people who have mental illness. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's always been really interesting for me to get a family history on patients. And then they're like, oh, I have this condition. Well, now that I think about it, I didn't know that like maybe my, you know, maternal cousin has it just things that people wouldn't think of. So a lot of this is, is, uh, is genetically inherited. So it was, it was really interesting to go back and look at my own family in, in regards to that. Yeah. And and I know that you said that's what inspired you to get into the practice of, of medicine. So, so how early, how young were you when you decided like you want to be a physician and then really go into psychiatry? Um, I wanted to be a physician pretty early, uh, which I think was maybe around like eight, like eight or nine. Wow. <laughs> yeah. My mom, like my mom got me this book uh, and it was basically, cause I was always asking her like, like body questions, which a lot of kids do at that age. Cause it's yeah. like, well, why do people hiccup? Why do people cough? Why do people this? Why do people that? And so if she didn't know, and this was, you know, pre-Google. This was like, you know, full Dewey Decimal System. Like, go to the library. <laughs> or like, go look it up Flip in the encyclopedia. The right, go to the encyclopedia. Um, she gave me this. It was like the human body coloring book or something. But I just remember like going over and over and over it. And, and it was really interesting because there were things that I was already kind of into, like microscopic stuff. I like I liked microscopes and I like science stuff. And so once I figured out that there was there was there was a discipline that connected body stuff and science stuff, I was like, oh cool, I'll just be a doctor, like whatever. <laughs> you know, I'll just be a doctor. I'll just be a doctor. It's fine. And then like, you went to school for a long, long forever, time, right? right? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So I was like, yeah, like I'll just be a doctor, or whatever. And then, um, you know, I I did know that it was when I was eight. I knew that it was something that it was a quote unquote esteemed. Like you be a doctor, or a lawyer, or an engineer, or a um, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, you know, prestigious career um at the time i didn't know how um how rigorous it would be Mm. but i did it yay i did it (laughs) and i (laughs) i did it i did it i guess like 18 years ago and i mean to this day i think that i think the day i graduated from medical school was the only time in my life where i smiled so much that my face hurt (laughs) Like, I was like, why does my face hurt today? And it was because I was like, I graduated, I did a job, graduated from med school. Like, uh, like I was so, I was so excited. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh my God, my face is killing me. <laughs> like, right. No one can well, see, but it's like Well, after all that time, cheeks. right? Like, yeah. you've got to smile. No, exactly. The funny thing is that once you graduate from medical school, 
you go from being a medical student, obviously, to being a doctor, but you're back at being the lowest on the totem pole. Oh, yeah. So it was like, I'm happy, but it was like, oh, my God, this is going to suck <laughs> so hard. This is going to suck so hard. And it did, but, um, but you know, we all get through it. Yeah, so Dr. Imani, talk to me a little bit about that because we always talk about these career breakthrough moments, right? And so it's like you finally finish school and then you're back at the bottom totem, right? What were some times looking back where you really felt like you got to a career breakthrough as a physician? This is going to sound really weird, but I'm kind of, I, I mean, I'm a weird person. I am a psychiatrist. <laughs> Um, so it had to have been my first year in residency and I was at Temple University. It was probably, I don't know, four in the morning and I was on call and there was a patient who came into the psychiatric emergency room and this particular person, he was drunk, um, like alcohol Ooh. drunk. And yeah. I, we were talking and at so so I'm sitting there writing and and I I smell the familiar smell of urine and I realize this man has Ugh. urinated in the seat and wow. so I was like I was like okay you're gonna have to clean that up so I gave him you know like all the stuff to clean it up because I was like I'm sorry this is above me like I'm not getting paid enough to do this. Um, I, and this, like, I, like I'm a doctor, like you're going to have to work that out. Like you're grown. If you were a kid, maybe, but n I'm not growing. I'm not, um, uh, cleaning up a grown man's pee. So he was also there because, um, he had recently, um, abused heroin. Mm. And so we had to get, uh, blood work. And when it comes to, like, this was someone who was a heavy user, a lot of his veins were collapsed. So I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, here, you you do it. So I gave him the needle, like, you do it. And so he was like, oh, here's one. And so he did it. And I was like, this is kind of great. Like, like a lot. But, and I say that because a lot of people... Like when, when it comes to psychiatry, like, oh, you got, you know, it's, it's like, oh, mental health, like you guys just talk all the time. Even amongst doctors, we're kind of like stepchildren. Um, mm. But we really do medicine because we really are doctors. There really is a lot of, you know, like doctoring stuff involved when it comes to uh, being a psychiatrist and dealing with mental illness. So at that point I was like, oh my God, like not only have, have I persuaded this man to like clean up after himself, but I also persuaded him to like find his own veins so I could get blood. Wow. And it's four in the morning and this is super gross, but to most people, but I was like, this is fun. Like, this is fun for me. Um, so, yeah, you know, a weird story, but it was, it was, I think after that, I was like, oh my God, it's going to get weirder. Like, this is definitely where I'm, where I need to be. <laughs> and I know you're, you're such this huge advocate for removing the stigma around mental health, right? Mm -hmm. How did that really become kind of one of your primary missions? What, what really drove that for you? I think what drove me to really focus and have one of the, I guess, tenets, if you if you will, of, of yeah. my career um, be about destigmatizing mental illness because 
I grew up in a family, like, I think like a lot of families, I mean, I grew up in a Jamaican household for the most part, and it just wasn't something that we discussed. Um, There were some of us who had gone to therapy, but it, as I got older, and especially, you know, during my training as, as a psychiatrist, like unless you are trained in in some of this like it really doesn't become very apparent that sometimes medication is necessary Mm. to really treat what's been going on and you know i will say this when it comes to certain disorders like depression psychotherapy can be just as effective as taking medication. So, you know, this is definitely not me saying like, everybody needs meds if you have mental illness. Um, But I know that especially in the black community, it, it, up until that point, it was like, don't tell, don't like, don't tell these people, meaning don't tell these white people your business, like keep like, like keep it to yourself. And also don't tell these people your business because now, you know, you don't want them to know and that they're going to look at you. And meanwhile, when you talk to a mental health professional, it's, it's covered under HIPAA, which means that it's protected health information and it can't get out unless you um, specifically want it to get out and you give permission to get out, uh, to get it out. So I just really wanted to see more people who looked like me as patients and i wanted to see more people who looked like me talk about like have the vocabulary to talk about uh anything that we might be experiencing and Mm -hmm. i think especially i mean again covid sucks but one of the really great and enduring things that has occurred throughout this time is that people especially like black folks especially people of color have been really adamant about advocating for, you know, not just self-care, but but like getting your mental health checked. And it's like, listen, like when, when um, let's just, I, I would say in 2020, it was, it was a very, very difficult year for everyone, but it also became very, very difficult for Black folks, because there was yeah. George Floyd and and there was Sandra Bland. I'm not Sandra Bland, but um, Tiana Taylor and sorry, excuse me, Breonna Taylor. And there were just so like there were just death after death after death after death yeah, at the hands of police, just over and over. And it really became like I definitely took days off. Like I was like, I can't do this today because even if I wanted to take a break from the news, people talked about it because it was so yeah. egregious and wild. And I think for a lot of us, it became a situation where, okay, not only do we have to deal with the day-to-day struggle of just being a Black person in this country, but now we have to deal with the daily reminder of like all these people who are getting killed for literally minding their own business. And Mm. it just just became a little bit overwhelming. Um, I think also there... One of the things that I'm really proud of is that people are 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 being people are talking about self-care, but they're also talking about what self-care is not. So it's mm. like self-care can be like take a bath. But if you are depressed, like you are definitely having signs and symptoms of depression, taking a bath and ha- with a bath bomb is not the answer. 
Like, yeah. like it might relax you for like 15 minutes or so, but ultimately you do need to be able to get care. Um, yeah. So I, I've been really happy that that has been a, um, a, a topic that's really been like pushed and perceived. And there are a lot of like social media accounts now that are like, yo, like it is okay to say, to say to yourself, you know what, I'm done for today. Or, or, you know, me waking up is sometimes that's enough. Like that's as much as I can do. That's as much as I can do today. And it's okay. And, you know, you don't have to feel bad about just wanting to take a beat and breathe and just, you know, going outside and sitting in the sunshine or just, or binge watching (laughs) or taking a nap. Yeah, like there's yeah. like there's nothing or talking to your plant or or what whatever. It's it's sometimes it's enough to just wake up. Yeah. And just live your life as as you as you intended for that day. Yeah. So so th- those are those those are a lot of the things that I want to make sure that I advocate for. So how does a physician end up on a Bravo show like Married to Medicine? Here's the timeline. So I got this email from my mom and I remember- And, she- and tell folks who your mom is because okay. I adore your mother, the the fabulous Paula Madison. So my mom, Paula Madison, um, used to work for uh, NBC, I guess since I was like 13 Um, she doesn't work there any longer, but she worked there for decades and she, um, she worked in a management role and then she worked, um, in an executive position and then she became, um, vice president of, um, diversity. That was her last position. And so she, we, we moved, we actually moved a lot growing up. Um, I probably moved what was it? Nine times before, wow. uh, by the time I was 13. And yeah. at the time- Well, and she worked in TV news, right? right so she, it was like right. moving market to market, right? Exactly. So she worked in TV news. And I remember back then, whenever I would start a new school, um, people would ask me like, oh, you know, is your dad in the military? I was like, first of all, no. <laughs> Second of all, it's my mom and she's on the military, but you know, she we would just move a lot because if there were stations that- um, if there were TV news stations whose ratings were low, um, the corporation that she worked for, which was Belo Broadcasting back then, uh, we would just travel um, to different um, stations that Belo Broadcasting owned, to, and she would, you know, raise their ratings, and then we would go off to the next um, to the next market that needed help. Yeah. But, but that being said, um, so my mom sent me this email, and I remember it being like LOL, like it was like. Eh. It was a foreword from her, I think it was her internist, and the there were casting directors. And so these casting directors basically reached out, like, this is literally, like, this is what they told me. They told me that they they went to the websites of different LA area hospitals and just looked for, like, the, the brown faces. And just start, I swear to God, this is what they told me. (laughs) And they just started like blindly emailing people like, hey, if you or anyone you know is interested, we're, you know, we are casting for this new show. So my mom sent it to me and I was like, I was like, I don't know. So I just replied back and then they sent me this little questionnaire and I filled it out. And then they were like, oh my God, this sounds good. 
you know, when can you meet with us? And then that's when everything started. Like that's when my foray into having to wear a lot of makeup and heels um, came into play. So, (laughs) so I say all that because recently on my Instagram, um, which is at dr.imani for anyone who's interested um, on my Instagram, there have been people who know me from Married to Medicine and Married to Medicine has um, like, basically it, it's, it's no, it Married to Medicine, Los Angeles is no longer a show. Married to Medicine, which is the original and is based out of Atlanta, still is in production. Um, but people like, well, you know, how come every time we see you on Instagram now, like you, you know, like you're not glammed up. And I was like, cause I don't get paid. I'm not getting paid for that. <laughs> like, I, like I am home. Like I'm, I'm home right now with like Ugg slippers, like a cutoff t-shirt and some workout shorts. Like this is, <laughs> this is my life. Like this is all I ever wanted for myself. So, so having to get dressed, like it was, it was cool, but I was like, how does makeup take an hour and a half? Like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> so, um, but in any case. And you don't even need makeup. What are you? Well, right. Hour? I was just like, what? What? I was like, oh my. I was like, okay, contour. Okay. And it, the end result was cool, but man, I was like, I can't wait to take this off. But it was, it was really, it was really interesting to be, I guess, in front of the camera both of my parents. So there was my mom who I spoke of who worked behind the scenes um, in TV news and at NBC for years. And my dad used to actually work for NBC as well. He was a makeup artist. And so he did SNL, the Today Show. Um, he used to um, do Tom Brokaw's makeup back in the day yeah. um, for nightly news. So, so you were destined to be in an NBC Universal show with lots of makeup, right? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but it was weird being in front of the camera because I was so it, I was just like, well, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to say like like it 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 was it was really it it was really uh, an eye opening experience for me. Um, but it was, it was definitely fun. I definitely am happy that I got the opportunity and I'm definitely happy that I got to really connect with so many people, um, for whom it would have been more difficult had the show not, not existed at all. Yeah. What was the best part about being a cast member of, of that reality show? Um, I think the best part was just meeting people who connected with me. Like, these are people who don't, never knew me, never knew I existed. And it was really fun to see people be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's you. And I was like, who? Like, I I was like, oh, my God. I was like, who's here? (laughs) That was definitely the best aspect. I think another really great aspect was just meeting other Black doctors, especially other Black female doctors, Black doctors um when it comes to percentages in the US we are 4% yeah. of 100 and if you cut that number in half black female doctors are 2% of all doctors in the US wow so it's it's a lot of times it's not easy to find another black doctor even if you are a <laughs> black doctor so you know looking under rocks and you know just just yelling out like, where's another black doctor? And so it was nice to be in the company of other black doctors because we are really in this very, um, this very tight niche and it's, it's difficult to find each other a lot of the times. 
Yeah. What was the toughest thing about being on the show other than the makeup? (laughs) Right. The hardest part was just having my life, certain aspects of my life be exposed to Mm. the public. Um, And they were very helpful with a lot of people, um, especially when it came to me meeting my sister, who I'd never met. um, And just talking about like, just the lack of communication and you know, the, the the lack of relationship that I have with my biological father, which was something that I was like, I really don't want to talk about it, but I did. Mm. Um, and that really resonated with people. So in the end, that was very difficult, but it also was very worthwhile because, it, I mean, it's kind of like when you're in therapy and you have this belief or this feeling that you hold and you never say it out loud but then when you hear yourself say it you realize like how much of a like non-factor not a non-factor but it's so much smaller than Mm. it had to be and when you acknowledge it it's like oh okay so I'm not the only one whereas all this time like I want to talk about I don't want to talk about me and my dad I don't want to talk about me and my dad I don't want to talk about it and then when you do like there's all these people that are like oh yeah girl me too and I'm like oh okay well I guess I'm not the only one who's who feels you know <laughs> like like damaged or you know has like this is an issue that I've really had to work on so that was it was difficult but it was worthwhile Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like even though it was hard at the end, it really kind of brought you back to your, your main mission around how do we destigmatize these things, especially in black and brown communities. Yeah, exactly. Talk to me a little bit about your brand. So give me three words that you would use to describe Dr. Imani. I would say that my brand is inclusive. I would say that my brand is um, very oriented to to educating. Mm. I definitely, I like to discuss, I like to make mental health digestible for people. Yeah. So I will oftentimes explain like, okay, this is what this term means. And I would say the last aspect of my brand is that I guess I, I, I just, I just want to be thought of as somebody who's relatable. Mm. I am just as, you know, worn out as everybody else. Like, I'm just trying to make it day to day. So let's just do this together. Yeah. So I love inclusive, educating, and relatable. Dr. Imani, have you always been that? Or are those things that you've sort of evolved over time? I've always been that way. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's when it, when it comes to branding, it's something that, like I didn't realize I was doing when this brand of mine, you know, started to take off. If anything, I would say when it comes to branding, it's just really important to do what feels right. Branding really entails someone needing to know themselves Ooh, yeah. because that's really what you want to get out there to the public. And if you want your brand to be something that you're not, that's when it falls flat a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I mean, or, or you can be really great at perpetrating and, you know, then when something happens, you know, when it, when something happens or it comes out that what someone's brand um, is, 
um, turns out being different than like, you know, who they really are as a person, it can be very confusing to, you know, that, that person's fan base or the public. Cause it's like, well, I thought you were about this, but yeah. now this came out. So I just think it's, it's important that, you know, as weird as it sounds that people do a little bit of soul searching, mm. uh, before they actually like put their brand out, because yeah. if not, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be confusing for you, and it's gonna be confusing for your fan base. Yeah. So a couple of quick questions here. We've been talking about your brand. What is your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without? There are certain things I really can't do without, and I really love a brand called. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Ayele. Um, it's mm. um it's A Y E L E. And I don't know who is formulating their products. They're very like natural and very like nourishing and moisturizing. And I'm like, whoever is, is well, whoever the chemist is over there, you are doing an amazing job. Wow. Because, oh my God. Well, so let me ask you another question here. Uh If you were a type of car, what Mm -hmm. type of car would Dr. Imani be? That's a good question. Um, I would probably be, you know what my dream car is? What? Um, my dream car. My dream car is a uh, like a 1986 like Toyota 4Runner. What? Yeah, I love those. And cars. why? Why are you like that Toyota 4Runner? I just love the fact that it, it's very sturdy. Like I feel like this car is going to get me through it. Um, and I really like the fact that the <laughs> I'm such a nerd. I really like the fact <laughs> the back window, like like all the way in the in the back back, like it it goes down. Like it goes down. Oh yeah. Like it's actually, yeah, like it actually like will go down. So I'm like, oh my God, the air circulation there must be so amazing. See, you see how boring I am? Like this is really like, like that, like what? Like, yeah, I just, I just, I just like, I just, I just, I like things that I know are going to be like dependable and sturdy. So, yeah. Yeah. And finally, Dr. Imani, (laughs) what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Pick something that you want to do, especially in in this day and age. There are the fact that people can make money by like legit being influencers. Mm. I mean, a lot of people like in my generation, Gen X, they're like, look at these lazy kids. It's just like make videos and people watch them and they get money. I'm like, and I'm like, that sounds awesome. So do do what you want to do. Like if you really want to be a lawyer, be a lawyer. If you really want to not maybe not be a lawyer, but advocate mm. for certain people, you can do that. And it may not necessarily mean that you have to do what is the quote unquote um, thing that that everybody you know is like. Oh, well, if you want to do that, you should think about doing this. Like there are so many ways now to really make money without having to incur in a lot of in a lot of cases the the debt that typically you know we were told like oh you, you know if you're gonna be a doctor like go ahead but that'll cost you like three hundred thousand mm, yeah. dollars so yeah but i would just say like if you if you want to be an artist be an artist if you want to you know just do what you want to do and i'm only saying this because i new people who I went to school with, to medical school with, and they didn't finish because it was like, well, my, you know, everyone in my family's a doctor. And so I became a doctor, but I'm not really into this. Mm. And then you end up kind of, I wouldn't say wasting your time, but 
you you kind of end up in this position where you may put blame on yourself, but it's not necessary because really it just wasn't for you. Yeah. Yeah. So just just be true to know know yourself, be true to yourself, and then pick your career path based upon that. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Imani, thank you for all of your energy and your insights. It was yeah, great talking. Yeah, yes, this was this was very great. Thank you for having me. Um, and everybody out there, if you would like to uh, find me, um, I'm usually home. But since you all can't have my address, <laughs> um, I'm, I, uh, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Dot Imani, that's uh, D-O-C-T-O-R dot Imani, I-M-A-N-I. I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Imani. I'm on YouTube under Dr. Imani. So just Dr. Imani it out and then you will find me. And if you say hi, I'll say hi to you back. Awesome. Well, we will connect and yeah. I'll be back in just a few minutes with my final thoughts. Awesome. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Dr. Imani J. Walker, the Chief Medical Officer at Gateways Hospital and Mental Health Center and cast member on Married to Medicine Los Angeles on Bravo. You know, Dr. Imani had so much great energy and so much great inspiration, but what really stood out for me was her advice about making sure that you are authentically you, not following the path that other people have told you to do, but really identifying what your passions are and how they interface with the great talents you had. When she told me that she went to school with so many physicians who ultimately dropped out and then said they had only done it because that's what their parents did or they thought that was the way to make the most money, I just thought, wow, what a great waste of talent. And I don't want you to be that person. So that doesn't mean you need to jump ship and get a new job. It could just mean, how do you find your passions and tailor your current job so that you're making use of your great gifts and your passions while driving the needs of your organization? Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get a brand new show served to you every Tuesday. Plus, it's Black History Month, so check us out at leadwithyourbrand.com slash black voices as we amplify the voices of great business leaders who just happen to be African-American. Follow me on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And remember... Remember, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. You've got to stand out, be memorable, and be a super premium brand like Starbucks that has people waiting in line. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria.
Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.